What's going on, CJ Today Slayer? This is a special episode, very near and dear to our hearts. Me and Cameron Ra. Uh, we talk about our life in security forces in the U.S. Air Force just in time for Veterans Day. Um, hope you guys enjoy. It's a pretty long episode, but it's sharing our experiences, sharing a little bit of history. Um, we kind of went all over the place because... You know, this is our life for a few years. Um, seven seven years for me. I think Cam is maybe about eight years himself. Um, the beginning of the audio podcast and visual pod- podcast is a song developed by security forces, and it highlights what we did, our mission and our tactics. It shows all that in the video. But you're going to hear on audio version, it's like three minutes and 30 seconds long. So just so you guys know, that'll be playing in the intro. I hope you guys enjoy, like, share, subscribe. Thank you to our international listeners and domestic listeners. Happy Veterans Day to all you guys who have served and ladies who have served in the armed forces.
so out of the way. We getting ready when Beverly play, and we holding our mouth just to make it okay. Paving the way with the awesome display. OCPs to them ABUs, Luba rays so you're not confused. Technically dismount from a Humvee with precision, we not gonna lose. So how can we lose? This what we do. We protect news in the B-52s. We don't just shoot, we gotta move. Move as a squad and communicate too. So I'm up, they see me, I'm down. See the flash and count for the sound. Got the gunners head on the swivel. The turret is constantly moving around. Get in step, left, left. Get in step, left, left. Get in step, get in step, get in step, left, right. Get in step, left, left. Get in step, left, 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 right, left. Get in step, get in step. Sub world, it's Cameron Ra. I'm your host on the Upgrade America podcast. Happy Veterans Day. If we can get this published by Veterans Day, if not, then happy belated Veterans Day. But yeah, CJ the Day Slayer. See you repping over there with your dog tags. Yeah, you got that basic training shirt. Oh. That's uh, uh, cool. So, um, to all our listeners out there, thank you for uh, joining us on this special podcast. And uh, if you don't know, CJ and myself, we were both in the security forces career field in the United States Air Force. Cool. Cool. <laughs> but uh, today we're going to be discussing that and we're going to give a little bit about the history and um, some of our experiences in security forces and maybe some perspective on where we think it might be heading in the future. But anyways, you got some opening remarks? Uh, I, I find myself before the podcast looking up our career field and I found myself getting very emotional because mm. it brought back so many memories, good, bad, ugly, all of it though. And I really, you and I had this talk last week about what we accomplished and then what we should be proud of. You know, we rag on our our career field pretty hard. Like I follow this page, it's all about talking shit about our career field. <laughs> but, as much as discuss. Yeah, but. A lot of great things to them. Yeah, and, that, and that's what hit me. I was like, wow, we do that? Like we do this? Like you really forget like the spectrum of what we cover in our career field. And it's not highlighted at all, to be honest. Right. Like, I skimmed over the Wikipedia page, and I'm like, yeah, you're not really representing. And then when I'm listing the stuff that I've done in my own tenure, and then all the stuff that, you know, some of my friends and associates have done as well, it really gives a broad insight onto uh, the scope of security forces. Yeah, man. So, yeah, I, I'd probably be a little emotional on this. I'm not even going to lie. Nothing wrong really with that, for Pour it out. That was some of the best yeah, times man. of my life was in security forces. I met you in there. Yeah, North man. North Korea, two, 2005, I believe. Yeah. 
and I didn't Great know he was going to keep in contact. You know, it's really tricky in the military. It's like an unspoken thing. It's like, you're going to see each other again, but you really don't know, to be honest. Well, it's not over until it's over. So that's like, um, somehow we, I think you being in Europe, us being in Europe the same time, that really kind of helped us stay in contact because um, you were in what? You were in Germany when I was in Italy. Yeah, so I was in K-Town, yeah. It was nothing for you to come down to uh, come down my way. And then, you know, after that, we linked again in the States a couple times. Yeah. Here we are doing a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Upgrade America, baby. You know it. But, um, yeah, security forces, man. So, like, um, can you give everybody a, a brief high level on the history? Like, taking it back post-USAF um, history because we were part of the Army. The yeah. Air Force was part of the Army prior. Well, the uh, interesting fact, I'll I'll go in that area real okay. quick. Interesting fact, it started kind of like in World War II is mm. where we kind of got the thing. Winston Churchill, I'm pretty sure you read this. He looked at when they were getting attacked in uh, England, and he said, yo, we don't have nobody defending like our airfields. From the Blitzkrieg, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So then when I laugh, I kind of laugh reading that because I'm like, yo, air base defense. That's us, baby, all day. Gang, gang. So I'm like, okay. So that is a little fun fact I didn't really know. I know we started, obviously, in 1947. But um, where security forces really became security forces, 1997. Mm. That's after the Cobar Towers um, terrorist incident where airmen died. And, you know, we the Air Force had to look at like, yo, we got to change training. We got to change the mission. We can't let that happen anymore because prior to that, we were still separate. We were still security and then law enforcement. We weren't both. But um, you got to, um, for the people who don't know, the Cobar Towers was a, um, it was a airman barracks slash storms. It was in Kuwait. And I believe it was blown up in a terrorist attack against from, uh, do you know what organization claimed that? Responsible? I, I don't remember. I know I got but as, as CJ mentioned, this was a significant event that helped shape the the face of security forces in the Air Force. Yeah, man. Um, That's a, a lot of force protection measures came from that. I believe like the, the barriers so like cars couldn't get so close yeah, to the exactly. domes and stuff was put into effect after that as well. Well. I'm looking that up. You can keep talking. I'm going to look up who claimed responsibility. I'm really curious about that. Okay. But, yeah, you said that was 1997. Yeah. And it didn't really... Let me see. Go ahead. Oh, no. I, I was going to say, I do believe... Um, oh, it's in Saudi Arabia. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Pardon me. Yeah, well, I was I thinking Kuwait? Saudi Arabia. I am looking... Members of the Hezbollah al-Hajaz... I think we're responsible. Interesting. So that's who that was. Hezbollah, and they're operating primarily out of Saudi? I guess, or they were probably, yeah, maybe. It didn't really specify that part. I'm just looking. Uh, yeah, they dealt a mighty blow to um, to America with that. Um, oh, Le Le uh, Lebanese. He is from Lebanon. That's the way it sounds familiar. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Oof. That's gritty. 
But now, uh, 2000 was it? Uh, after 9/11, was also helped shape security forces. Mm-hmm. As far as um, we needed, we created. We were dealing more with AEFs, like Air Expeditionary Forces, like mm-hmm. rapidly deployable. But we skipped a huge chunk of it. We, you, we went from uh, World War II. <laughs> Vietnam was also significant. Korean War. Uh, yeah, Korean War. Unless you do Korean War, I'm not too. Uh, that one kind of slips my mind. I know that was like kind of when we just became a force, right? Yeah, and then that's when K9 was so integral. And mm-hmm. K9, yeah. K9 is a big deal in our career field, and that's where they kind of popped up, and then it kind of went into Vietnam. It segued into Vietnam. Because I think that was another thing. It was um was army still doing a lot of some air abd in viet up into vietnam ab by abd i mean uh airbase defense yeah and i do believe um, like army needed more resources so air force was doing more security forces uh or airbase defense in, in vietnam that was mm-hmm. another significant change yeah and anything pop off in the 80s grenada yeah uh, that was in there. Um, we got a very colorful history, bro. I'm just looking at this. Like, hey, wow. So um, we touched good. on 1997. A little mm-hmm. bit on, um, how do you say, the AEFs. I know they're doing um, a lot of big deals in, um, in Iraq. I had a piece of that. Mm-hmm. But, um, we're also... Afghanistan as well. I believe that's where you had your. Yeah, I was, I was, I was fortunate enough to get on what they call the Army called Protective Security Detail. Basically, it's like Secret Service for the uh, generals, uh, VIPs that come with them. So we did a lot of going to meetings, make sure we protected them as they go, security, all the whole nine, man. And uh, that was a very rewarding experience. We worked with Army and Navy. Cool. So Joint operation. Yeah, joint operation. It had some friction at times. I think we got along with the Navy the most out of the... I think we had one Marine. Did we have a Marine? No, he was, He used to be a Marine. He was ended up Navy, became officer. But Navy, we vibed well. It seemed like we was on the same page a lot. So Army is kind of, eh, you know, but it's rivalry stuff. We still got the mission done, you know. Um, lot, yeah. Go ahead. Were you guys going out the wire? Yeah, every day. Um, We had, it was meetings galore, man. We'll talk to the Ministry of uh, Defense. We'll go talk to the president of Afghanistan. We'll go talk to just any foreign dignitaries, like Secretary of State's come out. Um, It was Robert Gates at the time. Okay. Um, Who else came out? Just basically anybody you can think of, like military or politicians, would be out there. Now, that was one part of the Air Force's role. But I know we did, um, was it Kandahar? What was the biggest Air Force base in Afghanistan? Ooh, might be Bagram. Bagram, yeah. I do believe they had a detainee ops base there, Man. too. But I, I know, know um, Man. that was one. Afghanistan was a NATO mission. Yes. And that's why they had uh, everyone from NATO there. But Iraq, on the other hand, that was with the coalition of forces. 
Um, one fun fact about security forces is that we are capable of doing um, the same role as light army infantry. And they have these wondrous program called the in lieu of program, which is a fancy word of for saying instead of, and instead of an army person going down range, an air force person can go down range. And so a lot of airmen were doing uh, army missions in Iraq. I was one of them. <laughs> so I did um I did an army op in uh, Kambuka because that's not an air force. They said it was a, this is an army mission and we were helping them out. But that was one of the things we did down there. Some convoys, little patrols, some detainee ops too. A whole plethora of things. But uh, is there anything else you want to say on the history? Um, We've been a part of pretty much everything. I think most of our history, though, seems to be now. 9-11 and now is where we get our where we get busy the most besides um besides our nuclear security um well i know we we kind of skipped um desert storm that was pretty significant um shock and awe was a term that was coined uh i do believe in desert storm or they referenced it in desert storm when they pretty much dropped multiple ordnance meaning bombs lit up the sky and showed the world America's military might and prowess. That's the tactic, I suppose. But um, that was the Air Force's role, but you know, wherever we're, wherever there are planes, very close by there are security forces carrying those planes. And another um, another job that security forces do is, um, you familiar with the SAM footprint? Nah, in regards sense. to in regards to surface to air missiles. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I remember saying, yeah. So for civilians out there, or civilians unaware of surface air missiles, you can only shoot down aircraft from a certain trajectory, and so like one of the jobs of security forces is to patrol those places where potential, um, I don't know, aggressors would be employing these weapons and to neutralize any threat to air sorties and that's out of the wire missions that can often be hostile um so that was a little bit about desert storm i didn't get a piece of any of that that was far before my time yeah it was like 90 91 so yeah but nine post 9 11 that's all mm-hmm. us so now i do believe um air force did participate in um how do you say the libya mission like where we had air power you mm-hmm. know participating in not necessarily boots on the ground but security forces was i do believe we we're in egypt like on deck supporting uh aircraft but it's more history in involving it uh, I'm trying to think now what is as far as syria I don't know. I don't remember. I know, we have forces, I know we have forces in Syria, U.S. forces in Syria, but like as far as SF, do you know uh, any of your colleagues? Nah, not that I know of. And not like they could really talk about it more than likely, yeah, to be yeah, honest. Um, 
I'm I'm doing a quick Google search. I'm looking real quick because while you're looking, um, I would briefly want to go over some of the roles that security forces fill, like in our career field. Oh yeah, I mentioned before, like um, we are capable of doing army missions. We're like security forces are like a how do you say, <laughs> a Swiss Army knife of of what we can do and perform, and it's actually quite diverse. So. I'm going to just run down the list. Diplomatic security. I kind of would associate that with what you're doing, Chris. And also, um, what's that other one in Turkey? Not Inserlik. Is it Izmir where you wear the clothes and you carry the concealed weapons? Like, so I could, I would consider that diplomatic because it's kind of relating with consulates and embassies and all that. And one thing, another thing that I did was nuclear security, dealing with nuclear weapons, either tactical nukes or like guarding I intercontinental internet of inter- <laughs> intercontinental ballistic yeah. ballistic missiles. Yeah, there you go. But um, those are security forces play a really big role in, in securing those. Um, air-based defense, this is a, a very common um, role for security forces. It's pretty much securing the actual base. And in war times, this is, um, we are like the, the base infantry. We're rolling around doing patrols and taking out the bad guys and keeping the, the airline safe. Airlines, flight line. <laughs> <laughs> As I mentioned, we can do light infantry operations in lieu of missions to the army. We can do special operations. Yeah. Uh, my experience was brief. It was um, in Suwon while I was stationed in Kunsan. They mm-hmm. did. You ever hear about that? Um, the joint operation in Korea with their special operations that pissed off Kim Jong Il while he was still alive? Nah, I'm gonna think so. I got the play. It was a huge. Uh, I do believe it was either Suwon or Taegu. I'm thinking it's Suwon. And they, I guess there's a special operations group from Kadena. They came in with special operations helicopters. So we're kind of securing those and, and some F-15s. But we're in this huge joint exercise. It was pretty impressive. They had paratroopers and, and everything. It was pretty elaborate. Um, we do detainee ops. I did some of that. Con Air, that's when you're flying prisoners, you know, um, across in planes. Convoy operations, did some of that. Counter drug operations, uh, a sergeant of mine. What was his name? We're in, we're in Osan together, so you might remember him if I remember his name, but I remember his face. He's a cool guy. Uh, he's on our flight? Yeah, but I remember he was saying he was in like Honduras or something doing drug ops down there. Sergeant Sergeant Bennett, maybe? Probably if I see his face, I would know too. Light skin guy. Really cool. Um of course, uh law enforcement and force protection, like that was kind of what split the career field before was you had security police on one side, and then you had I'm sorry, you had more just regular air police on one side and then security units on another but then they merged the careers so you uh you know you had more well-rounded um security forces any thing you want to say on that i have a couple more i want to 
go. No, go ahead and finish the list. Okay, so of course we do counterterrorism. I was attached to NATO and ISAF, and you know they. <laughs> that's what they train for. So resort security. That's what I wanted to do. You ever heard of Akuma? Nah, where's that at? Akuma, I do believe that's in that's, uh, that's in Japan. But it, you know, the Air Force has resorts. Yeah, that's like they have, them, right? They and, have um, military resorts. Yeah, and Akuma is one of them. And I I do believe you wear shorts, khaki shorts, and a white polo shirt, concealed weapon, and you ride around on four wheelers, like on the beach, just like making <laughs> sure everyone's not having too many, too much rum in the sun. <laughs> You know, but like that's, that's a special a that's a special duty assignment. Many a times has that been dangled in front of me to re-enlist. Really? Do this, do this dirty job, and you know you you might be able to go to Akuma for uh, your next base. And sometimes you do get uh, you know preference of um, a base choices from going to Korea. But can you elaborate a little bit about the Raven teams? Uh, Ravens are a specialized unit in security forces that goes with when we go set up in a bear base or a very hostile area with no, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, I lost the word. No foundation. Pretty much there's no, they hold down the perimeter and stuff too until it's like <laughs> you have fences and everything. Yeah, so they're basically the fence and the gun, basically. Once yeah. the Ravens land, they're in and out. Um, you have to First go through, line of security. Yeah, you got to go through a course. I think it's like 15 days or maybe something longer than that. Yeah. Um, it's very intense, actually. I got we got links for all this stuff, man. Like I looked up everything. Um, shout out to shout out to Stuart. Yeah, it looked built. But he's a he's a he's a raven. Oh, he is a raven. Or he was a raven. I was know he, he, oh he, yeah, he was. I forgot about that. Who? I know, uh, that's people awesome. I knew there was ravens. I think. Shit. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, we do seer specialist training. What is that? Survival. Survival, evasion, rescue, and escape. There you go. So we train. Air Force does that. We train pilots. We also train yeah, like, the garrote, like yeah, kill with the with the wire. Actually, it's a guy at work. I work with. He did that. That's what he. That's what he did. Um, like, you remember Abaro? He did that. I remember Abaro. Yeah, he's cool. yep, he did that. Um, I he's, see. Uh, from Aviana. I think we went to Aviana. Yeah, yeah. together. Uh huh. He was in Osan with us. He was on our flight. Um. What else do we do? Pair rescue? Is that that does that come from security forces? Because I know they offer that when we're in basic. Pair rescue? No, I think that's its own. Um, they all their own thing, right? Yeah, they're their own thing. They got the um, how you say the maroon berets, but they're they're their own career field. We <laughs> we can't yeah. claim them. No, no, I was because I remember them kind of talking to us like i think tech school like hey if you want to come over oh, here thing, like they'll let you try out like okay okay that's what it like, was when i was um same thing like with combat controller mm -hmm. a lot of security 
So it's kind of guys from security forces, they can try out to go into combat controller or pararescue, things of that nature. And also guys who are in pararescue or combat controller, if they get hurt and they wash out, they often wash into security forces. Mm, that makes sense too. Yeah. We have a pretty close relation with uh, with them. There's a couple of combat former combat controllers that I went to tech school with. Okay. They're tough. They are tough. They just broke like really hurt themselves in training, and mm-hmm. they're out for like for for a while. But yeah. um, yeah. As far as what we do, it's pretty broad. Like I've done it all. Like, can you want to briefly go through uh, your career? Uh, my first duty station was Moody Air Force Base. Um, I did a lot of flight line security, some light law enforcement. Um, that was basically like where I learned about security forces, like at my first base. Um, very nurturing. I, I was very grateful I went there first because you do a lot of dumb stuff as a <laughs> <laughs> your first couple of years, you do dumb stuff. So to be there was a perfect environment to learn. Um, let's see, the when we invaded Iraq, is I, I remember seeing that on TV. So that was like, what, 2003? Yeah. So that was my, between my first and second year being at Moody. Um, I remember um, you saying that in the 9-11 episode that you were like in basic training when the tower hit. Yeah, that was crazy, bro. Like hearing it on the radio, I'm like, what? Wow. So you watch all this stuff unfold. The invasion of Iraq, mm-hmm. among other things. Yeah. So, um. Okay, so what did you end up doing after that? Okay, so I went, so I did flight line security. I did some uh, law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Then I went to Osan. That's why I went to Osan. Okay. And then, you know, we did mainly flight flight line security, uh, high, you know, stuff we can't really talk. I, what can we talk about? I'm trying to think of OPSEC, COMSEC. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um. Um, I'd say on a high level, like air base defense. Yeah. When you really think to it, like um, securing the aircraft, securing the installation, securing the people on the installation, securing outside the installation. And in war times, like our primary mission is to ensure that those birds can get off the ground Absolutely. and go bomb our enemies. But um, from a yeah. higher level, unclassified. Uh... Yeah, like we had a couple other missions that we can't necessarily talk about because they don't exist or y'all ain't supposed to know that kind of stuff. But let's just say we did some other special things in Korea. Sure, indeed. Um, my next station was Ramstein, but then I got switched over to Vogelway. I went back and forth between both units because they were confused on my orders for some reason. Um, originally, it said the 569th U.S. Forces Police Services, which we patrolled an area the size of, I think, Delaware. Wow. That was our patrol area. That was, you said then that was in, by Vogelway? Yeah, that was Vogelway, K-Town, Kaiserslautern. Okay, I remember Volkway. Yeah, Volkway. Range, the shooting range was. Do we have cattle there? 
I am trying to remember that. I would think Cat would have been on Ramstein, actually. Mobile is where I you ship your car from, right? Probably. Yeah, because we yeah, have Bill yeah. Craig and all Mobile that. Yeah. For a couple things, I forget. Yeah, our mission there was like communications. It was a very mainly security and police based. Like a little bit of security, but it was mainly like um, law enforcement which I didn't really care for. I'll be honest with you. I was more of a security person. Same with me. Um, then we did Simbok too. We used to run that out there. Um, we did uh, entry control and then we did light law enforcement. I think we had a desk up there too. Cause I remember being, and then we had, you reminded me of something. We had this other post. It was like out in the middle of nowhere in Simbok. It was somewhere else, either in between going there or a little further out <laughs> where we, it was like munitions or something out there. And we used to have to guard that out there too. Um, that was it pretty much. Then I did Afghanistan. I was supposed to do a mission to Jerusalem, but somebody else got it over us. It was going to be a 10 day mission. Did you have to get a diplomatic passport? Yeah, I had a state. Uh, I had to get a state passport was it um the diplomatic ones the brown yeah, ones. yeah. I, I also had that got offered a, the mission to jerusalem mm -hmm. i didn't have the diplomatic passport so i couldn't go but there's rocket attack <laughs> <laughs> anyways so like kind of glad i didn't yeah like um i really wanted to do that one though that was so cool because it was like 10 days boom but politics got in the way and somebody else which yeah, people this... really want i would have liked Eventually, I intend to go to Israel, but it would have been, you know, fortunate to get to go there on the military's dime. Yeah, man. People got compete to get those positions. Yeah, like, I think, and what pissed me off about this is, mind you, this is, this is the political pull whoever went in lieu of us had. They came all the way from New Jersey to go there. Mind you, we're right there in Ramstein. Literally, like, what, two hours away from Jerusalem or something? Some crazy number, like, four or five hours away. Wow. They picked this group to go over us when we are already pretty much ready. Because I think we just came back. We came back from training or something. Or was it before I got out? I want to say it was before I got out because I had that diplomatic passport. And they're like, yo, you qualify for this trip. We're going to let you know. Have your bags packed. You can be out, like, tomorrow. All right, and then they got the call at the last minute. Pull this group from Jersey because they knew somebody. Yo, I was so pissed off. I was like, are you kidding me? That was such a waste of money. Like, sorry, I just went on a rant, but. Nah, nah, I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> we're gonna do an upgrade America and Israel. Yeah. Happen, make up for it. But I didn't go either. I, 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 we'll get to it. Um trying to think that's pretty much what i did i did diego garcia i forgot i did that in 2003 now where's that diego garcia middle of nowhere bro it's like a mile that's two miles wide and 10 miles long it's a really jacked up history of what the u.s and the brits did to the indigenous population there um they basically got them out of there took them all off the island they ended up Really, their whole like race died out damn near. Probably only a couple of the descendants left, if that. Just so they can have that real estate for military operations, because it's very strategic. We did a lot of 
uh, sorties from there. Navy has an installation there. Um, Geographically, where, where is it? It's like India right here, Africa right here. It's like a small island, like in the middle of all that. It's like a middle of nowhere. Because hmm. um, I heard, I've heard of it, but I can't quite call it on the map. Yeah, it's... And of course, they don't want you to know about it because it's kind of like it's out there. But they have B1s, B52s. Um, what else is out there? We work with uh, Australian Special Forces was out there. Um, man, them dudes can drink, dude. Oh, <laughs> crap. <laughs> Woo! Never drank with them, ever. Don't drink with no Special Forces. Um, <laughs> they would get the Kuwaiti moonshine. Yeah. And that's stuff you could like clean an engine with, man. It's pretty, um. Yeah, I learned my lesson with them. Shout out to them Aussies, y'all. Y'all was, y'all was some real ones. <laughs> True. Um, I think that's it, mission wise, like stuff I've done. Yeah. I started my, um, uh, started my first mission, Osan Air Base, South Korea. I got there in the middle of an exercise, so I get off the plane, because that's when they're flying into Osan, first base, like, I didn't know what to expect, and mm-hmm. I see everybody in gas masks and helmets and vests like this, and I'm just like, like, this is how I'm going to, like, be living for a year? So I'm like, whatever, just grab my bags, up-armored, like, not quite a tank, but one of those up-armored carriers just roll almost runs me over I'm like oh man i didn't know what to expect but yeah. um training exercise so i couldn't in process so because really, remember the entire base is submerged in the exercise but i know they still nah you should have still been able to nah it was like it was no maybe i could in process mm-hmm. it's, i couldn't do training security forces training yeah okay no like uh your typical stuff before you go to flight Mm-hmm. You remember, like, whenever you hit a base, you gotta go through yeah, like, two yeah. weeks of training. It's like what they call FTAC, sort of. Oh, well, then there's that. I had to do FTAC, mm-hmm. but um, just security forces training, your flight training. Before they send you on the flight, you always go through like two weeks. I did it in Aviano, I did okay, it okay. pretty much every place I went to. I had to think so, about like, it. Because yeah. there is an exercise they made, they um, we were op four, which for you civilians means opposing forces. So we were the bad guys for the for the exercise. So they let us choose our arsenal and our tactics. Nice. And raids and ambushes on uh, you know, our security forces testing their readiness. So that's how I started that off. When I did get the flight, we were doing air base defense, and for me it was mostly security. I had a two forty nine cert. So I was always hauling that thing around. But the cool thing about that is you could be like, what? It was security three. That yeah. was the patrol that had to get the lunches all the time. The box yeah. nasties. Box nasties. That was one, so that was one of the things that sucked about the uh, security forces was always eating those box meals, bag meals. And to this day, I cannot eat a Snickers bar because that is what was always in those Yo, things. Oh, that's funny, bitch. I don't think I remember the last time I had Snickers bar either. <laughs> Yo, remember H-Tac Cacoac? And yeah. this is like on the verge of one of the... It's a post with dealing with some intel. 
But anyways, when you when you're there, there's a drawer full of Snickers bars from all the people who like they can't eat them anymore because I've oh man, just brought back flashbacks. You're right, man. I'm, I'm gonna get emotional on this episode. So. <laughs> oh man, you said Snickers. I was like, what? Oh no, I was like, I don't remember the last time I've had a Snickers. Yeah, literally. Because of that. So after that, one of the cool things about Korea, and if you got, I'm not sure if it's like this any right now, but one of the cool things when we were in, if you went to Korea for a year, you could choose your assignment. You could choose your next assignment. For the most part, you had like what? Let's call it what? Nine out of ten chance of getting um mm-hmm. base of preference. assignment you your base of preference the follow so, on yeah i was i either wanted to go to yakota which was very close to tokyo or i wanted to go to italy because i watched too many godfather movies <laughs> and they, i got to go to italy italy when i got there the mission was nuclear security mm-hmm. somehow i qualified the card nuclear weapons and i got prp which stands for the Personal Reliability Program, which also ties to you. Every time you're dealing with nuclear weapons, you must have two people in the proximity. You cannot have a lone individual around a nuclear weapon. And anyways, I got cleared to do that. So I was doing, um, that's what we were doing. Out there was a uh, nuclear security. We trained to uh, for recapture of a, a nuclear security. We'd get our intel briefings. And um, Intel, was, it was so strict, like, your phones couldn't be in, in the room. And when they're outside of the room, you had to take the battery out. And I do believe if you had an iPhone, the iPhone, this was still, I think it was before, when the iPhone just came out. Mm-hmm. It, like, I don't even think that could be, like, in the building or something. But, like, the threat there was that there are groups in Italy that did not want nukes there and they're always trying to penetrate and um either take a weapon or detonate it on site that was the threat so that's what we trained for and i'm just gonna shut up because I'm, I'm pretty sure our, some of our tactics are classified i'm not gonna tell you how we stop the bad guys but um when we do when the nukes are exposed and they they take them out and they're actually maintaining them and working on them when i tell you man we are deep so many guns like the entire squadron is like they're they're locked and loaded and lit so i did that because i was in europe that's you safety the european command i got deployed to iraq did some army ops out there many hats yada yada got medals on my wall um came back from iraq back to italy went to kunsan did some air base defense out there Similar mission, Kunsan's a bit smaller, more rural, but mm-hmm. it's still pretty key terrain out mm-hmm. there as it's uh, southern in um, it's in southern Korea. So it's like um, I don't want to say last resort, but Kunsan was cool. Another base of preference. I was so on the verge of get, getting out, mm-hmm. and uh, in Korea, I did make staff sergeant, but I like I didn't. I didn't care at the time. I was just like, man, I've seen enough and I've dealt with enough. And I, before we end the episode, we can go through a long list of bitches, gripes, and complaints about yes. our, our wonderful career. But um, I was getting ready to get out. I could have got out in Kunsan and I'm just like, 
I didn't finish a college degree. Mm -hmm. Like I really didn't have a plan on what I wanted to do. So I'm just like, I don't know. One of the cool things, and, and this is for anyone who's considering joining the military is you can do an enlistment and then you, or a re-enlistment rather, and then you can do an extension you can extend up to what is it two years or is it 18 months i think it's two years yeah it's yeah, two, years. two years at the most yeah so it's like rather than re-enlist because i didn't know if i could stomach another four years i signed up for two as a how do you say as an extension and they dangle when i tell you they dangle assignments in front of you man they dangled this one and i bit it was a special duty assignment to germany to um air nato air headquarters mm -hmm. in germany this thing was so classified, I didn't know what I was doing. Like, I, I didn't have any information on it because it, uh, it was a yeah, special yeah, duty assignment. So mm -hmm. I'm looking up the code because, you know, on your orders, your military orders, mm -hmm. you have these codes. I'm looking it up. There was nothing. And then finally, <laughs> someone, I'm getting ready to go on leave. And then finally, someone hit me up like, yeah, just hit me up when you when you land get there it was so chill man so chill pretty much they had a um it was a base within a base mm, okay this was very interesting and it was like the, the the nato while the regular nato headquarters is in belgium the air nato headquarters is in ramstein germany but it's smack dab in the middle of ramstein mm -hmm. it's really cool i believe it's like 40 million dollar building real high tech sliding automatic glass doors all that it's pretty cool but what we did there was we secured that installation we did force protection for there we yeah. did uh some of the pretty much we had to make sure no classified information was out there we got to pick up generals from um generals would land we would pick them up drive them to their um you know their head their hotels or their meetings or, or whatever you know it was special duty assignment pretty chill and we had the opportunity staying in. Uh, I would have got to go to, um, work with ISAF a little bit closer. Mm -hmm. There, a lot of those guys were, were stationed there too. But tell everybody what ISAF is. Oh, uh, ISAF is like International Security Assistance Force or something like that. Maybe because I worked with them too when I was in Afghanistan. So when you said that, it brought back memories of like my experiences, but. Just so people kind of got like a baseline, like of what it is. But go ahead, continue. Oh uh, no, it's just really cool working. NATO was cool because mm -hmm. it was the first time. I mean, I worked with joint operations like Campbell Iraq. That was Navy was there. Um, obviously, our Air Force, Army was there. Couple Marines, similar to uh, your scenario, uh, mm -hmm. your deployment. But I dealt with like you know different branches all the time. And we had many rivalries with the army as as well. Like, but um, this was the first time I dealt with foreign nations, and, yeah. and um, you know, working closely with them. Like, the Brits were in Iraq. I was in Iraq with the Brits, and I do believe the Aussies were there too. And those lovely Romanian nurses. But um, I really didn't really work closely with them. But uh, NATO, we work very close with, um, you know, with the Brits were, were my commander who had tactical, um, how do you say, authority or command over me was British. Okay. My, say my administrative commander 
was obviously American uh, security forces. But it was a really cool, really cool assignment. Some of the best time of my life in the career field. I know we glossed over it, <laughs> and there's so much more to, to discuss. We didn't even. I, I briefly want to go over some of the weapons, techniques, yeah, yeah, equipment. If um, you, I don't mean chime in uh, when 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 you want to as well. But starting from the minimal. I would say verbal judo, and that's the art of using one's voice and words to de-escalate a hostile situation. Because um, as security forces, you know, the biggest thing is the proper use of force. We have at our disposal an immense arsenal of weapons, but on you don't want to use them. Like you should be using the minimal amount of force. Yeah, that's right. Minimum amount of force. I just heard like people are running down my hallway, like it's going oh. you know, the spider sense is tingling. But anyways, you want to use the minimal amount of force to uh, de-escalate a situation, and uh, it starts with verbal judo. We also have the ass baton. I believe you mentioned that before. Mm-hmm. And we have less than lethal nine millimeters, less than lethal twelve gauges, and there's also a less than lethal claymore mine for uh, crowd disbursement. Among, uh, there's also a microwave crowd dispersed weapon. We use that in um, detain during detainee ops. You mentioned the canine teams. They're uh, very critical to uh, the security forces mission. I want to say every base I've been to had a, a solid canine team. Absolutely. Did you ever do the fight thing? Did I do the rap? Uh, uh, nah, I watched it. I remember cleaning out their kennels. <laughs> that was scary as hell at night. Don't, I, I did not do that, but it was uh we had to do a kennel check. Yeah, we used There's to do that. A, yeah. And uh, as you mentioned, it's at night, and yeah, that is pretty creepy because yeah. the lights are off and it's just a bunch of canines and dogs. Like, rah, 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 and yeah. you're you're praying to God that the kennel master has done his job and double checked and secured all the cages, and you don't get. Rip the shreds. Absolutely. Your mic, like, I need backup. <laughs> but yeah, canine teams, they're very critical to the career field. Uh, hand-to-hand combat. Do you, uh, what was your favorite move from uh, our, our security forces uh, hand-to-hand? Man, it's been so long. We they had the Ikkyo grip. That's... Yeah, I was going to say, the Ikkyo grip. I like the brachial stun. That's when you chop on the side of the throat. Yeah. It's not meant to necessarily kill, but it will it will stun the opponent as it cuts off a blood yeah. flow temporarily. But I, I had fun in, in that one. There's another one where you chop him on the shoulder blades. Uh-huh. My partner, he used a lot of force. So I used a lot of force right back at him. When we did that <laughs> course, I would always go first. I'd be like, okay. You can do all the moves to me first because I'm gonna do it ten times harder than you do it to me. Like, but yeah, hand to hand combat was fun, man. I think it's way more advanced. I think they do more like mixed martial arts, Krav Maga, that yeah. kind of stuff now compared to when we were in. It was just like basic. Well, but I think it's more advanced now. now and for just going through tech school, it was pretty basic. Now, when we went to our bases, we did army combatives. We did it. We played around with a little Krav Maga. We were doing a knife fighting defense course, which turned into knife fighting offense. Like, we actually had to wear um, white t-shirts and then 
pretty much went at each other with um how do you say with permanent permanent markers to, to yeah. gauge what damage was but that was fun they taught us how to de-arm people with knives and, and things of that nature um pointing out on the, some of the the equipment the kevlar kevlar vests and steel plates cool Ooh. um the M9 would probably be our most smallest sidearm. Um, yeah. Fun fact, in Vietnam, they used to carry 38 revolvers. Man, I could not imagine having a 38 in combat, bro. And I I, I know after uh, using a, a 38, like at the range, seeing it's um the, I mean, they do have speed loaders, but it's like, my understanding, you got to let them cool off before you can reload them. You know, you can't just slide in, uh, yeah. you know, rounds like that. And hence, we, we now have the M9 as our, our sidearm, which is okay for yeah. a Glock. But this is my preference. That's what I would think, you know, and I was going to bring that up. Like, have we, do you ever think they would go to Glock or they're not doing it because of safety reasons? Hold on. Um... Maybe so like weapons. What are what are cops using? Um, like civilian cops. They use Glocks. Not all of them use Glocks or six hour. Because I know I um one thing like the drop holsters are consistent, but do you think that's the main reason? Is to safe because there's no safety on a Glock that? Yeah, I mean the safety's in the trigger, but because here's the thing: it's we keep when we hold ours regular duty it's on fire with mm-hmm. one in the head it's it's in your drop holster so i think i would arguably say well i mean it's still single action your first shot is single action on the m9 until you thought the first action was double action no no because you, uh, got... you gotta pull the you gotta pull the hammer back to make it i'm sorry you're right double action is where it's harder to pull you're right yeah, yeah, yeah. my bad and then after that, single action. Yeah, I had to think because a Glock is cycle. always a Glock is always double action. Every I thought it was always single action. No, yeah. I thought a Glock you have to pull the that whole as you mentioned the safety is that double trigger thing. Yeah, yeah, isn't it? And I, I do notice it's like, for instance, with your M9, you pull the hammer back, and then it's less pressure to pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. Does that change with a Glock? It's usually consistent, and I do believe it's uh, it's it's as you mentioned the double action. I can't remember. I haven't shot it. I'll be honest. I haven't shot a Glock since two thousand seven, maybe six. I think it's consistent because I have one, and mm-hmm. I've started for a while. But it's uh, I do believe it, it's it's consistently with that. Um, you have to use a lot of pr- more f- pressure with the trigger pull. But okay. we have the that's the I like it. But mm-hmm. um, I'm one of the fan of a lot of stove tops with the M9. But that's just my experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, the M4, lightweight, air-cooled, gas-operated, shoulder-fired weapon. This weapon has a maximum range of 3,600 meters, maximum effective range for a point target, 500 meters, and 600 meters for an area target. I have 210 rounds of NATO ammunition with a ball tracer ratio of 4 to 1. Whew, I've completed my post-briefing. Now give me a coin. But yeah, remember we had to rattle those off during uh, the post-briefing? So like... <laughs> Another thing about security forces, you'll be holding it down, guarding your little, uh, little spot, your area of responsibility in the middle of nowhere. 
a high-ranking official or your your leader can come up and you have to snap their attention, sir. Staff Sergeant Rob reports. I don't know. Uh, all secure. You press the post reason? Yes. yes. And then you give a little bit about your post and then your weapon, what you're doing, everything like that. And if it's a... Um, for me, I was at guarding the flight line during an exercise and a one-star general came up. Boom. Rattled it off. Just so smooth with it. Kept my composure. Boom, boom, boom. And he gave me a coin. He, he rewarded me. And which in turn, my boss rewarded me with a, a better position. So knowing about what you're guarding and your weaponry and everything is, is a really big deal in uh, in the military. But that was a little bit about the, the capabilities of M4. Next was the 203, a.k.a. the Scarface uh, <laughs> weapon, the, the grenade yeah, launcher. Basically, I was real good with that shit, actually. Really? Indirect fire, huh? I was good with... Uh, uh, I think I was good with the quadrant sight versus the lever. What was it? What do they call the other sight? The quick. The I believe it was the leaf sight. Leaf sight. Yeah, I was better with the quadrant sight than the leaf sight. Believe it. Believe or not, I just like went for it. Yeah. Eyeballing it, but mm -hmm. it's not my weapon of choice. But um, absolutely not. I like the two forty nine. That was my baby. Oh, I did it very much. Enjoyed the two forty nine yes. because uh. the. The 249, aka the, the saw, and while it, you could probably cut down the tree for it, it really stands for squad automatic weapon. But the 249, it uses the same type of ammunition as the, the M4, which is a 5.56 NATO ammunition, ball to tracer ratio of 4 to 1. And it has like what, 200 uh, round bandoliers? And a bandolier yeah, is a think... belt. Like, have you ever seen Rambo and he has like, he has the the belts of uh, of bullets around his neck. That's called a bandolier. But the 249 uses one of those, and it was pretty sweet when uh, I seen them in in Iraq because they had them down to they put the butt stocks collapsible butt stocks on so you yeah. had controls and they could make a close quarters weapon out of it. Oh, uh, that at close quarters. Yeah, uh, a lot of firepower at your disposal. I'm a bit rusty. Do you know the uh, maximum rate of fire for that? Was it a thousand rounds cyclical? Cyclical. Now is that for holding it down? Like in a minute. How do you think? In a minute, how many do you think you could get off? Because in every second, this is like what you can get six rounds off, three to six round bursts, and like. <laughs> so I dare say you could probably burn. You could burn through two hundred, and uh, two hundred rounds. And yeah, it's been a long. I got my um. <laughs> I got a book somewhere with all this stuff in it, um, but yeah, one of those ranger, one of those ranger man. Yeah, I got that. Yeah, um, around two, all that air base defense, a Coca, Met TC, all that good stuff. I um, think the the point range was what area range is eight hundred meters, and I think the point range was six hundred meters for the two forty nine. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think it was something. Why is that? Because it's a longer barrel. Yeah, but you gotta remember they had the short barrel too for the, mm. for the 249. But yeah, basically, yeah, and plus the rate of fire was higher. Yes, indeed. So <laughs> I didn't tell you. So I went, we had this training in Moody before we went to uh, desert training or well, deployed to the desert location, Middle East. We had Silver Flag. We go there for two weeks and do, it's you like know, like Commando Warrior, right? Basically. 
<laughs> so this one time, I was a 249 gunner, and we're doing our tactical, we're doing mount training, we're doing all that urban warfare training for you guys yeah. to know. And I remember we were getting attacked, so we're staged in the theater or something. We're getting attacked around our building. We're hearing everything on radio, but they didn't know, Op4 didn't know we were in there or something, or they were trying to get in or something. So I remember <laughs> I uh, I had the 249. So they were like, don't fire in the building if you get attacked. <laughs> what did Chris do? Fire in the fire building. the building, so, oh man. I had my movie, yo, it was so gangster though. I had my movie Rambo moment. I'll never forget this shit. I kicked the door open, boom, just that in the building. I'm telling the chaplain and all that, I got you chaplain, because we had a chaplain and everybody with us. (laughs) So they they canceled that shit so quick. They was like, Canex, Canex. I was like, Oh, uh, uh, they're really big on like firing blanks in the building. So we were at a commander's call, like a base commander's call, not a security oh. forces commander call. And what did our chief do? He has not the, you know what a GSU is? Isn't that the little thing that goes over the muzzle? No, nah, that's a blank firing adapter. Oh, yeah. Hey, okay. The GSU, I, I want to say that I could be totally calling it wrong. But it's that carbine. That's the. It's like an M4, but with a really short barrel. And mm-hmm. It's kind of like a submachine. So he had one of those, and you know he's cheering on the defenders because we're getting a reward or something. It's like, bara, bara. Oh, <laughs> fire up, fire up the commander's call, man. And then yo, and it was like you know we were all cool. We we loved it. The defenders loved it, but I guess the <laughs> uh, the fire department was not uh, not very pleased. Like. <laughs> Firing rounds and doors is yeah, well, that would have been the best command size call. purposes. Oh man, that would have been the best commander's call though. <laughs> oh man, hold on, what else is on the list? They got the M240 Bravo. Yeah. So that pretty much replaced the M60, which uh, was popularly seen in, in Rambo. That one I did not like. That what one was 60? like what? No, the M240 Bravo because it was I so. Never shot you never shot the 240 Bravo. You shoot the 60. Yeah, see, I, that's the last yeah. thing I shot. I didn't get a chance to shoot the 40. It came out. I, I just never got around to it because I I was seeing him. I started moving up, so I wasn't carrying that anymore. Actually, I shot the 60 like just the. Yeah, that's what I they learned. Had one, they had one laying around, but mm-hmm. like it's really to me. It, it's really no big difference. Yeah. It, I, I really couldn't tell you the nomenclature for the M60, but I know this one is pretty heavy. It's a so you remember you're carrying all of this 7.62 ammo, and then you're carrying the gun probably weighs like at least 20 plus pounds. Yeah. And uh, if you're lucky, you have an AG, which is an assistant gunner. If you are not, then um, <laughs> your life will suck. Remember Camp Bullis running around um, the jungle for. Uh, <laughs> For training, like <laughs> the guy who had the 240 Bravo hated his life. Yeah, if you had gunner, it was. Mm. If your instructor was mad, it was mean. Like he would pick the smallest person to do it. Mm. It's nice you'd have a big guy doing it. But yeah. that was another uh, weapon on our arsenal, the M67 frag grenade. So I remember throwing that. I remember vividly throwing that because I wanted to see the brilliant explosion because I threw mine really far. 
Now, in our manual, they say the average person can throw a hand grenade 40 meters. I don't consider myself average, so I figured I could throw it a bit further. So I'm like, don't worry, instructor. I threw my math far. I want to see it blow up. He grabbed me and threw it to the ground. Like, yo, you don't want, you don't ever want to look at an explosion. Like, doesn't matter how far you you throw it back. But throwing frags was fun. Yeah, I remember. How was your experience? I it was between that and the claymore. Ooh, the claymore was fun because awesome. we did that in like a in a valley and it just yeah that rumble I'll never forget. Yeah, the grenade was pretty strong too, bigger than I thought. Um, they I remember those movies, man. Huh? They downplayed the grenade in movies. Man, I'm facing no joke. It really is how they sound and, and their devastation. Was it a five meter kill radius, fifteen yeah. meter wound radius? Mm-hmm. And um, I was pretty nervous throwing it because yeah, like too. malfunctions and everything along mm-hmm. those nature. It's like I wouldn't even want one on my person. Nah, me neither. Like, <laughs> I've seen what happened with you know just regular weapons. I'm just like man crawling around and you know pin falls out like grenades are cool don't i don't know i i it was an experience did it <laughs> um the mark 19 that I was cool i did because uh, i was i was in nukes yeah i got to fire it because i made staff but i had my line number so while i was waiting to be a sergeant like i got a tv a Sweet TDY to San Antonio. TDY meaning temporary duty station. San Antonio. Or South business trip, basically. Yeah. Like I stayed in the Marriott. Oh, and another fun fact for people who are debating whether to join the Army or the Air Force. I got three college credits for learning to fire an automatic machine, <laughs> machine gun that shoots grenades. So... Just, just saying, you, you you'll get some college credits for that. But um, yeah, fifty caliber. Did you ever um? No, ever I fire? Didn't shoot neither one of those. Surprisingly. Okay. Before going down range, um, I gotta play around with with that law rocket. I didn't shoot one of those, but I did shoot the AT4. And a fun fact for the AT4 is when you train for it, all it is is a nine millimeter round. They're testing your capability to use the sights. And like they're pretending that's a rocket, but yeah. I'm not gonna tell you why I had to train these yeah. rockets. But I never. I'm trying to remember did I get to do that? Nah, I don't think I got to do that either. The law rocket. I know it's people so- did, but I don't think I got. To. Yeah, and if they they hype it up. You really think you're like? Even when I shot the Mark 19, it wasn't HE. It wasn't nah. high explosives. It was like powder and stuff. Oh, you didn't get this. Sh- that's why you shoot it, is to get the real stuff. Well, it's like you really explode again with explosions being so dangerous and so bad for the environment. They try to minimize them. That's uh, true. Now, like downrange, they had a uh, they had a range where you could shoot high uh, explosive ordnance. Mm-hmm. And um, also doing their tests, you know, they got the their they test the Mark 19 before they go out. They got a pit to do that. But I have a riddle for you, or a question rather. Okay. What would you say is the security force's most powerful weapon? Most powerful weapon? Yeah. What do you mean by weapon, though? 
Why? You can interpret it any way you wish. Excluding the mind, because we all know that is the most powerful <laughs> weapon for all those philosophy people out there, philosophical types. Uh, I would say adaptable. I don't know. Um, I'm going to restrict it to a, a physical, a physical oh. uh, item. Physical. You got me on now. I don't know. I feel like we're a Swiss Ar- Army knife. Arguably. Arguably, I would say it is. It's the radio to be able to call for close air support. Mm, I never thought of it like that. <laughs> I guess because we so I'm so used to us dealing with planes, you don't think about it. like that's part of our life. You that's know? one one thing that we um, learned in maybe they did do it in Osan. I was just too young, mm-hmm. or I was not high ranked to learn that the skill but in Kunsan we learned how to call um close air support oh see i i remember us talking about it because i think it's like start, it was a uh, mostly the sergeants that they they taught how to do that yeah and it was like we they taught us how to communicate like with the pilots and tell them exactly mm-hmm. where to uh you know with coordinates and and how to mark targets that's dope. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. But that learning that because I'm, I'm thinking I'm like rocket launchers, Mark 19s. I'm like, nah. The ability to call that pilot, be like, yo, light that up. That's um, that's probably our biggest weapon, greatest weapon. I feel Not- like we spoiled though because we got that at our fingertips like all the time. It's kind of like. Mm-hmm. We got that all the time on Air Force missions, but as we mentioned, it's like security forces, we can do any type of mission. And if that mission, for instance, like when I was downrange in Iraq, we were a fob. We, that's all we had was us. Like there were, um, I knew there were aircraft like nearby because on the horizon you would see like, and then they'd bomb some shit like far Mm -hmm. off the distance. But I don't think they are coming to to our aid. Well, gotcha. So That's we'll. I thought about that. <laughs> on security, while we're we're honoring security forces, man, definitely want to shout out uh, Sergeant Lamp, poor, poor, boss friend. Um, a lot of great times with with him in Osan and, and also in Italy, Aviano, Italy, and beyond. Um, we already shouted out Stool. I'm trying to think. Joe Perkins, he's, he's still in. I'm trying to think who else uh, is uh, still serving that, that's in. I want to shout out Miller. That's my girl. Um, Sergeant Walker. She's phenomenal. Uh, Rice. That's my boy. He's up there. Uh, Kalsovic. I think she goes by Grace now. Okay. Um, man, who's still in? It's, it's crazy. Like all these people. Tremble. Uh, man, I'm thinking now. That's all I'm gonna think of right now. Those are the few oh. people still in. I know Al's still in. Who? I him, um, Myers. We were in um, Ramstein together. Oh, okay. And him wearing the new uniforms, man. I do believe oh. Air Force finally got on the Velcro patches yeah. with the rank. That's really practical. Yeah. Lord knows what. Spend an arm and a leg for alterations, sewing on stripes yeah. and whatnot. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, uh, a few people just retired. Dean, 
My girl K9, she was K9. I think she retired as like a first sergeant. Okay. Um, who else is still in? My boy uh, Jernigan still in out here in uh, Coco. Who? Uh, that's all I can think of right now. A lot of I think mm-hmm. some of my people are retired or about to retire, or I lost contact with them. Well, for everyone who's who's in or who has served, this one is for you. And um, there's so much. Again, I, I I had some of the best moments in my life with uh, you know my my security forces brothers and sisters. And I know we we barely touched on this. This is very high level. You know, there's only so much you can do in an hour. You know, yeah. on on this subject. Perhaps we'll we'll um, discuss it again with some of our fellow defenders. But it was a it was a pleasure, man. Just going around the world and um, doing. Yeah. If you could do it all over again, would you? There's nothing like it, man. I hate to say it. As much as, you know, we might have to do a bonus episode on, like, living life as security forces. Because mm-hmm. it has its ups and downs. Yeah. But it's like any relationship, you know? It has a bunch of uh, great things in there. I don't know. It made me a, definitely a doper person, I think. I agree. I think it made me a tougher person. Yeah. That much. It's like uh, doing land nav, doing like, uh, what was when we were crawling through the mud under uh, barbed wire and all hopping that wall, hopping that wall 50 times, man. Yeah. All that gear. I'm like, I yeah. hated it at the time, but I knew I'm like, yo, this is going to make you, it's going to make you solid as, uh, you know, solid as rocks. But, um, just going overall, like when you really think of it, and I, I know we downplay it. Our fellow defenders, we downplay it, but we did some real tough stuff. We got to briefly discuss Hua, and everyone associates it as a army term, but as defenders, we say Hua yeah, often yeah. because we, while we have our rivalries, we share a lot in common with the army. And uh-huh. as you mentioned, we, 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 ha- we share some lineage, so or some origins from the army. So does people know what HUA stands for? We spell it H-U-A, which is heard, understood, and acknowledged. Yeah, HUA. So that's what it stands for. People don't realize, we don't say hoorah like Marines or like Army, it's like HUA. It's real short to the point. And uh, that's what it stands for. But it it also beyond that, like you're, I don't want to say I'm like semi hua, like when you're saying when we would <laughs> call people hua, like they were like hardcore. Yeah. I, I say I'm semi hua because I, I I go run, I go run hard. I was running the base perimeter, and I did it in the gas mask once, but that's that's hua. Like you're you're training extra hard because you're gung ho. Is another term for that. Yeah, you could call it gung ho, but basically, who is its own, its own classification of, uh, of you know, hardcore security forces defenders. <laughs> I wasn't quite there. I knew some snake eating um, defenders who had ranger tabs, yeah, tabs, like all that. Aerosol. Yeah, they go to aerosol school. All this pathfinders, but yeah. um, wasn't quite as 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 cool as that. But did you know we do sniper training too? Um, it's actually counter sniper training. Yeah, 
can't have evidently we can't have we can't set booby traps and we can't have snipers like we can't use claymores as, as with trip wires we actually have to press the button but yeah. the army can but another thing with our snipers is like we don't like use them like hey we're just gonna snipe people it's just like we have established that their snipers our snipers to take out the counter sniper but i'm pretty sure we could employ them you know officer discretion and stuff we have sharpshooters as well which isn't the same thing as a sharp as a sniper like the sharpshooters i believe they use the acog which is like what four to eight times magnification and yeah sniper so. has a bit of more and i do believe that's on top of an m4 the sniper uses that winchester yeah something old bolt action jump off with the a, a more precise scope but did you ever qual do you do you ever qualify for um nah, bro. yeah i'm a bit of a point blank marksman myself <laughs> i want to how do you say uh practice with a with the bolt action rifle and you know just just a good you know it's different firing at the range like with the for security forces because kind of like your job performance is yeah. like based on how good you shoot yeah. but when you're like shooting at a regular shooting range it's like real chill it's just like take your time practice your technique and you know do your thing but um yeah i if i had to do it over again i i have no regrets man i i, I had so much fun and met some really great people That's and just... i learned a lot about security forces essentially you learn the core of military tactics because we are essentially we are ground combatants and um i don't know again it gave me that confidence like the things that we endured 16 hour shifts wearing this thing yeah. <laughs> you know and then of course bullets and bombs being shout outs and stuff like you know we endured quite a bit so it's like the everyday toils of uh life is seem to just roll off af after all that having it's it's unique part of my backstory as a character i know yeah you can you can all you can always know when you die you got this chapter that's a part of your full life no matter when you go you can be like yo i had a full life indeed and I think it's like it also opened me up to do more adventurous stuff, like or just to pursue an, an adventurous life, you know. Mm -hmm. But I'm I'm waiting for the for the CJ Chris Johnson autobiography. Uh, we have much, we have much to write about, my friend. Man. <laughs> but everybody, um, thank you. We're gonna I may pull an old nighter and see if I can get this thing out for V Day. Alright. But if not, it is what it is. But thanks you for uh, for joining us on the podcast. Upgrade America. Please like and subscribe. And um tell us what you want to hear. Let's yeah. talk about like we got topics for days, but we, we want to hear uh, some feedback from, from our listeners, from our audience and our supporters. Yeah. And we got Patreon. That's alright. But yeah, that's all I got. Peace in the Middle Peace. East and to the whole wide world. Upgrade <laughs> America, baby. Camera Rod 2020.